Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy from KidsViews.com, and I'm here today in the studio with Amy Oztan of SelfishMom.com. Hi, Amy. And Andrea Smith, who we've now decided is just tech guru. <laughs> Knocking over her microphone. Knocking over her microphone, so not being very tech savvy right now. No, I haven't worked in radio for 20 years. No, not me. But yay, we're all three together. Yes. In person. Awesome. In a while. Yes. Yes. It's nice to all be in the studio, and it's actually turning to spring outside. Yeah, I don't know. I still Slowly. have snow outside my no. house. Sorry. Don't give me that spring <laughs> stuff Well, we yet. did spring forward, so that took. That was a horrible week. I have to tell you, that one hour made, like, it was awful. Everyone in my family was cranky and tired. And Isn't that you weird? Know, yes, normally, one I hour. don't feel it. Normally, you know, my, my bedtime is all over the place, so normally the hour doesn't affect me that much, except the morning after we did that this year, I had to get up at 4.30 anyway to catch a train, which oh. meant that I was really getting up at 3.30. That just sucked an unbelievable amount. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. All right, so we're not going to talk about daylight savings because okay. it's already a moot point. I, I said I would vote for any politician that would just say they were getting rid of it. I don't even know. I don't care what the rest of their views are. Hell, I think I'd vote for yeah. them. Yeah. But um, we're going to talk about three things today. The first is homework. Um, a public school here in New York City <laughs> um, has banned homework. The principal sent home a letter, and it started off a new discussion about whether or not homework is important. Um, and we have some... We'll have a discussion about whether we like homework or not. And then Amy actually had posted on Facebook a math equation that's going around. Um, that just I was... just want to know the answer to it. <laughs> well, so it was what, the great thing about it was how much math do you remember from growing up, and should you be helping with your children with their homework and stop complaining that you, that it's too hard for you to help them, and maybe the problem is you're not supposed to help them. Yeah. So we'll discuss that, and then we're going to talk about um, is being a stay-at-home parent a luxury, based on a blog post um, in the mother load in the New York Times this week, which was actually a great essay um, about this whole idea of stay-at-home moms living the life. <laughs> bonbons, <laughs> yeah, baby. Bonbons. Bon bon I don't even know what a bonbon is. Soap operas and bonbons. That's what it is. Um, but that sounds like my life as a teenager. But anyway, <laughs> that's what I did. But um, And then we're going to have our digital dilemma, a little bit about technology in the schools and what we as parents should be advocating for or not. And then we'll have our bites of the week as usual. So let's jump right in and talk about homework. Um, this week, PS 116, which is in the Kipps Bay neighborhood of Manhattan, um, which is a fairly progressive public elementary school. When I always say progressive public elementary, it's like you can only be so progressive as a yeah. public elementary school in New York City because you're dealing with testing starting in third grade. Um, but the principal sent home a letter saying, we would like your children to play. There have been numerous studies showing there is no benefit to homework whatsoever in these early years. And we would rather your child be engaging with you and having time to play and be a child and that this is putting undue stress on parents and children alike. And there was very mixed reaction. Some parents felt like, how are they going to cope with the real world if this is what you do? And how are they going to adjust to middle school? They're going to be totally sideswiped in middle school. And then there were parents who said, thank God, you know, this homework is just nothing but a huge fight every night in our house. And I'm so glad they're getting rid of it. So okay. what do you guys think? You know, I have a theory about the parents who don't want to get rid of homework, and it has to do a lot with what we've talked about in past weeks about kids having independence. I think that those parents are afraid that if their kids aren't doing two hours of homework each night, they're going to be playing video games and watching TV because they're not going to let their kids just go outside and play. 
I used to do my homework in front of the TV. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what kids today do. (laughs) Yeah. So I I really, I wonder how much of it really is about the homework and about the loss of learning that they claim won't be happening. Um, And how much of it is just the fact that they don't want to deal with their kids having an extra two hours of time to fill. Wow. If your kid had two hours of homework in third grade, I would say there was a problem. Oh, yeah. My son had an hour in kindergarten. It was ridiculous. Oh, we didn't have that. But, you know... I think about all the parents who sit with their kids to do homework. So my son had a friend in elementary school, and I remember there was one mom who every night thought it was her job to sit next to her kid and hold his hand while he did his homework. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it. I think that's like kind of an issue because I think that, that you're trying to teach independence. You're trying to teach, okay, you learn this in school. This is reinforcing it at home. You do it. It's not for me to do. Um, so those people are probably thrilled at getting rid of homework because it frees them up yeah. and not just their kids. But, but I also wonder, though, I mean, and, and again, my son was in elementary school quite a while back. I think middle school and high school, when kids are doing after school activities and have sports, some have part time jobs, that's when the homework becomes really overloading. Well, I have a son in eighth grade and a daughter in fifth grade, and I found that, that the older they got, the less homework they got. So I think that the middle school and high school, well, we don't have high school experience yet, um, but the middle school, I I think they recognize that because my son definitely didn't have as much in middle school as he did in elementary school, which I thought was interesting. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I'm going to read you. This is Alfie Cohn, who's a pretty amazing um, academic researcher and writer. I love him. He's written... Um, the Schools Our Children Deserve, The Homework Myth, and Feel Bad Education and other contrarian essays on children and schooling. And I would suggest going to his website. It's alfiecone.org. But he wrote an article, and this was two years ago because this comes up all the time, when a huge study came out about homework having no benefits whatsoever. Um, and one of the things he wrote about was, first, no research has ever found a benefit to assigning homework of any kind or in any amount in elementary school. In fact, there isn't even a positive correlation between, on the one hand, having younger children do some homework versus none or more versus less. And on the other hand, any measure of achievement. If we're making 12-year-olds, much less 5-year-olds do homework, it's either because we're misinformed about what the evidence says or because we think kids ought to have to do homework despite what the evidence says. Yeah. yeah That's well, crazy. You can show that kind of thing to parents and they will say, I don't care. It feels right to make my kid do homework. Right. Because, because I did, did homework. <laughs> right. Yeah, because exactly. You know, when um, a few years ago I saw Marsha Gay Harden speak and she talked about why she was homeschooling her kids. And she one of the main things was homework. She said she was a working actress, and she'd come back from a set or come back from a job, and it would be late, and then her kids would be – because guess what? Your kids didn't come home and do homework instead of watching video games. They actually (laughs) came home and played and did whatever and then waited to do their homework till 7 or 8 at night. You know, you got home, waited till after dinner, and now your kid's exhausted, you're exhausted, and now the homework begins, right? So whenever you see people with huge homework battles with their kids, it's usually because – it hasn't begun until yeah. 7 or 8 at mm-hmm. night, and everyone's tired, and everyone's annoyed, and everyone's exhausted, and it becomes this push-pull. And I actually think it's very anti-working parents. Oh, homework. absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I have the luxury of being home when my kids get home, and the rule has always been you can set a timer for 15 minutes, you can um, get a snack, you can relax a little bit, and then you start your homework. Because if we did wait later, it was disastrous. And I, I really feel like it, it wasn't my job to help my kids with their homework. There was no help going on. My son didn't really need help. My daughter was the opposite. She will ask me 10 questions before she actually tries to solve something herself. So she just needs to be left alone. But it was my job to help my son sit there and focus. 
Like he, especially when he was younger, he had absolutely no focus. And I do get what the parents are saying about it creating better habits for later on. So here's the solution. Your kids are still supposed to be reading. How about they come home, they get their snack, they sit, they read for half an hour. That will get them into the, the habit of, of, you know, the good habits right? At, without the stupid homework, but with wonderful reading. And don't make them write about it afterwards. Just oh, reading log read. is the worst. So that is what this principal said. And she said, take your kids to the grocery store and have them weigh things yeah. and talk about what you're making for dinner. Make a recipe list. Mm-hmm. Like, have some real world conversations with your kids about things that are going on. Have them watch the news if they're if it's age appropriate and talk about what's going on in the news or, how, or read the paper in front of them. That, like, there should be real world interaction one of my daughters did have homework and one of the teachers did try to get rid of it in second grade and it was the parents who rebelled and said no they need homework wow that's she was not happy um she was really not happy i should have had her on today and then um they had teachers the teachers i really liked would do a homework packet so it'd give a homework packet on monday and you had till friday to complete it that makes sense because yes. then if maybe you do have an activity maybe mm-hmm. you have a doctor's appointment and you have to wait in the office waiting room for an hour and so you're sitting there and you want to say do your homework but you're in a you know you're in a waiting room so you can't really do it and then you have that struggle of nighttime and it really does put a lot of onus on parents to be the bad guy at nighttime when they really want to be hanging out with their kids how was your day talking to them right having a packet that you can kind of help um you know manage and structure and and learn about time management which is really a great thing you have piano on tuesday you have so what do you think when do you want to do your homework right yeah um you know and i mean i know people who hire tutors for their kids not really to tutor them but just to to sit sit with with them them and do their homework yeah and it also puts you in the position of being against a teacher which i really hate because i'm so pro-teacher except for homework so when my kids would have too much if i ever told my son he didn't have to do it he would be he would be fine with that but on days when my daughter has had too much i've just told her don't finish it just don't do it what's the worst that can happen and she won't do it like she she has to finish it well she doesn't want to disappoint her teacher exactly and so i just i just feel like it sets up this whole extra battle where i'm telling them to listen to their teachers Except for this, which right. is terrible. And what's interesting is when the work does get harder in middle school and high school with homework, a lot of it is not due the next day. Right. A lot of it is a research paper, a thing like this. So I'm not sure what nightly homework doing these sort of worksheets over and over um, does for yeah. kids. You know, it, I don't know if it instills any kind of habit in them. Who likes bringing work home after work? Yeah. No one. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that's what we all stand on homework. Get rid of it. Yeah, and, um, and, and which segues into the issue of are you even qualified to help your child <laughs> right. do his or her homework? Because pretty much every teacher, I mean, I'd say about half the teachers that my kids have had in elementary school sent home some kind of letter explaining how they wanted me to help or their dad to help with the homework every night and check it over with them. And I was like, no, absolutely See, we always not. had the opposite letter. We huh. had the letter that was, this is your child's homework. And I need to know if they don't understand things. That's awesome. So if that they makes don't, perfect right, sense. Because elementary school, not a grade. Yeah. So it was like, please, right. hands off. Like, I don't want you checking your child's work. Mm-hmm. I don't want you looking it over, or I will never know what they don't know. That makes so much sense. Um, because I, I, I forwarded this math problem that was going around Facebook all weekend. It was driving people crazy. And it wasn't a difficult math problem. I'll put it up on our Facebook page. It all hinged on whether or not you remembered certain rules from elementary school. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Well, don't give them the code. <laughs> well, Jesus. that's what it hinged on. Um, but yeah, it was it was a uh, it was it was seven plus seven divided by seven plus seven times seven minus seven. 
With no parentheses. With no parentheses. That's what made it hard. Uh, yeah, if you put in the parentheses, if you know where to put those in, it, it, it it's easier. But um, about half the people on my Facebook page got it wrong. And those are people who might be helping their kids with homework. Right, and then yelling about the new math, and then yelling about Common Core. Well, yeah, can I just ask, like, Common Core? New math was going on 20 years ago yeah, when math, my son was every, in elementary school. So what's years, new math? Is there new new math now? <laughs> or is it just the same new math no, that doesn't have a new it name? It is not new new math. It is, it is it's that the Chicago same new math. math. It is exactly that Holy math. cow, and they're still calling it new math? No, that's what, that's what parents will call it. It's con- Now they're calling it Common Core, but it's the same thing. Oh. It's it's much trickier I hated that to look right can and I all parents say, hate it because that. nobody grew up with it yeah right and it's not and, and you still I can get to the answer but I can't show my daughter how to get to the answer the way that her teacher taught her right. how to and get. you have to so show I, your work right so I'm I'm I can't help her anyway but right, what so is how do we solve this equation I'm dying page. to know I'll show you after, okay. after class no I'll, I'll, I'll put it on the Facebook page because it, it just really showed that if you don't remember what you learned in fifth sixth seventh grade you and most of us don't. You have no business helping your kid, and the teacher has no business wow. expecting right. you and to. Right, and that's when you should go online and look at Khan Academy or yeah. or one of the other. There's actually some great math tutoring oh, ones math that we like better than Khan yeah. Academy um, that do a better job of explaining. But you could. But wait, could, so could anything. you go on and find out how to solve that equation? A hundred percent. You could Without, type that con- equation into Google, and it yeah. will come up. Wow. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. My daughters, because they're using all these math sheets that are just standard, you could type in an entire word problem and you will get exactly that word problem to come up on Google and see how to solve it. Hmm. It's pretty unbelievable, which is maybe the other reason they shouldn't have homework. Because yeah. guess what? Kids can yeah. just Google it. Just Google it. <laughs> yeah, my, my son in- never used to ask me for homework help anyway. But now when he has a problem, he's just texting his friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now I'm, I'm just out of the equation. And I'm, I'm so glad. So to speak. So right. to speak. Very <laughs> good. <laughs> but I actually think that's whatever. That's a whole other discussion. But math and science at the higher levels is collaborative. Yeah. No yeah. scientist works in a lab by themselves. So that's a whole other discussion. But that's like when I see those big math equations on Jeopardy, and I think, who knows that? Who remembers how to do that except for I, someone who I, yeah. went like, like to engineering school or studied math and later I was on college. the math team. Okay. And I somehow, oh, God, what a nerd, I, Amy. I totally. <laughs> and I can't remember where I was two days ago, but I can remember how to do math from like ninth, tenth grade. I'm impressed. No, I'd rather have that space in my brain to remember where I was two days <laughs> rather ago. Rather than pie. Yeah. And it was pie day. Happy pie day. It was. All right, so this kind of segues right into this idea of is being a stay-at-home mom or parent, I should say, or dad. And Lance was here a couple weeks ago. You can listen to that podcast. We talked about the whole thing on stay-at-home dads, the new movement. Um, but most most families, still the great majority, are the mom as caretaker, um, whether it's stay-at-home or not, mom doing the majority of the work. So certainly with stay-at-home parents, moms are still the great majority. So there was, was a really interesting article by Allison Carter. It was in the Motherload blog in the New York Times. And last week we talked about changes for moms in the workplace. We talked about that article where she saw the light. Catherine's being more understanding <laughs> yes, of working moms, being more flexible and understanding. Um, and Vodafone's new maternity policy being great. But this week 
this was this article really made the rounds on social media um, and struck a nerve. And it is amazing when you are a stay-at-home mom that people say you're so lucky that you have the ability to do that, or you're so lucky. That's such a luxury. But um, you know what's interesting? We were just talking about homework, and Amy said, "I have the luxury of being home when they come home from school." Yeah. And I, that struck me when you said it because. It feels like a luxury, the fact that today moms are able to be with their kids. Yeah, instead of just being normal. Yeah. That's not the status quo. It is a luxury, I think. But to the point of this author, it's not so luxurious. I mean, you do a lot. You handle a lot. You're like the chief uh, cook and bottle washer. Yeah, and and the author talked a lot about how it was a financial sacrifice for them um, to have one person at home. I think that's the big difference. Back in the 50s, you know, Everybody just lived on one income, so you had that other person around to take care of the stuff that had to be taken care of between nine and five. Um, nowadays, it's just that much harder. And I, I can't really identify with that part of the article because I'm not even going to pretend that I have the earning power that my husband does. That that didn't play into the decision. He went to law school. I went to school for musical theater, so it's pretty obvious which one of us is making the cash. But I, I could contribute more by going out and getting an office job instead of freelancing from home. But then who is going to be there when the kids get home? Who mm-hmm. is going to be there to take them to doctor's appointments and take the dry cleaning in and all that stupid stuff? I, life is just easier when there's one person, I don't care which one it is, who's around to do to Everybody do needs stuff. a wife, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so she writes, this is what she wrote, luxury is a loaded word. Yes, it is absolutely true that my husband and I are lucky that he has been able to secure and keep a job that can pay for us all to live. I'm aware that there are many families who require a dual income to successfully sustain their child's basic needs. Raising children is expensive and on the rise. And for many families, the financial equation is hard. So that's almost kind of what you touched on, Amy, which is what would the cost of your child care be? I, I did go back to work for two months. And the cost of the child care just to get them from school and take care of them for a few hours was almost as much as I was making. Right. So then you, here's your trade-off. Is it... You were a freelance before, right? So you weren't giving up a big job when your kids were born. Right. Um, I was the same way. I was freelance. I was a freelance writer. It was not like I was stepping out of my office job and like I was on the partner track at a law firm or something where all of a sudden I was going to be totally sidetracked if I took that time off and then went back in. So it's a different kind of discussion because then it becomes about what you're getting your child, how much you're making versus how much child care is. And that's always a discussion. And then what the worth is of that, right? So in a city like New York, where you might pay $35,000 for a full-time nanny easily, um, you have to basically make 70 to clear $35,000. So now if you're making 70 and you're all you're doing with that money is being able to pay for child care. And that taxes. Might, and taxes. Yeah. And it might not seem worth it to you. Right. But it might be if keeping your foot in the game or you want to work which you're totally entitled to do like suddenly that's totally worth it i might be i might only be covering childcare, but i'm working every day and that's what i want to do and that's what keeps me sane go for it well you know, you know in a way that's what i did um you know i stepped back from a full-time job at abc news but i didn't give it up completely i went and did a job share so i looked at the money and i was able to make it work on three days a week as opposed to five um, and so it was feasible for me, but there was no way that I was going to just give up my career at that moment um, and be a full-time stay-at-home mom. Not because I didn't want to, but because I really, really wanted to continue a career soon after. 
Um, and I think that doing it that way, you know, we always talk about having it all here. You know, we've, we've talked about this a few times. Um, being able to be a part-time career woman and a part-time stay-at-home mom really felt to me like a luxury because there were days I knew that every Monday or every Friday I could schedule a play date or I could schedule a doctor appointment or I could schedule something um, that I wanted to be there with my son to do as opposed to the nanny. And I will often recall using that word luxury, even though I was giving up income and I was giving up um, you know, the career track that I might have been on had I not gone back to part-time. So it's true. It's really a loaded word, and it's really a very personal decision for right. people. It's a loaded word because it connotes this idea of wealth, right? The word right. luxury, this idea that you're affording something that no one else can afford. And which is the case in a lot of yeah right so so that's very right that's a whole different discussion like you're you're coming at this from a very privileged place you just are if you if you do have the option of staying home where it's not because you couldn't get a job it is it is the luxury of choice right that's what it is but when I see when I see women who are doing that not working and being home with their kids and then have a nanny <laughs> then I'm like okay then I'm judging. sorry then I'm judging and I'm like that is over the top sorry learn to change a diaper and walk your kids right. to school now you're talking about a whole other now you're talking wealth. about I don't like, know any of those people oh <laughs> I do I don't live in, in suburban New Jersey yeah. or the Upper come, West Side of Manhattan come to oh, there's suburban plenty New Brooklyn, Jersey honey. there are plenty in Park Slope and Fort Trust I mean me, I Heights. was like people looked at me like really you go to the city Every day, <laughs> and you work. Yeah, yeah. But I do think, um, in you know, you, you do give up things. I mean, there is you know, when you have if you have a great job, um, and you have that kind of dual income that's really substantial, where you're making as much, if not more, than your husband, which is also the case very much now. Um, you do. You give up probably you give up vacations you give Mm -hmm. up a second home you give up these things that you might see around you that's very different also to make up the to make the choice to give up quote unquote a second home you're not giving up right but is this idea that maybe you're not keeping up at the same level as other people are or maybe it's Um, just no longer important to you at that time right but that's the decision you make it's more important for me to be with my kids than have a second home or to have and that is a luxury to be able to make that choice it's not i can stay home with my kids or i can make the mortgage yeah. Right. It's, right. Yeah, and I and I think that when you do have that choice, another thing that you're giving up is a whole lot of stress because, like I said, when you've got that one person home to kind of guide everything, like my husband just left this morning for three days in Arizona, and logistically, him being gone for three days will not affect the rest of the family one freaking bit, which is kind of sad in a way like he's not bringing the kids anywhere he's not packing any lunches he's the one that's going off to an office for like 12 hours a day um when i left last week for two days away you do the laundry first yeah you do the laundry first pack the lunches schedule everything make sure that everybody's going to get where they're going to go not because my husband is incompetent he could do all of this stuff if he weren't going to be at the office for 12 hours a day and if that was what he did every day um but when you take that person, you know, when you try to take that person out who is that that cog that everybody else is rotating around, 
uh, it really disrupts things, and it really shows me just how essential I am to the running of our family. Right. As I say, everybody yeah. needs a wife, right? Yeah. Everybody needs right. a wife. Right. Which actually also leads me, there was a great article on Medium, on the website Medium, um, from a woman I know, and I think I'm going to try to get her on. She talked about, you know, she'd been a full-time editor her whole life, very successful, great writer, great feature writer, and she talked about she's been home with her daughter for almost a year now, getting to know her, hanging out, doing things, and she wanted to go buy something, like at Sephora or somewhere, and thought, I don't have any money. You know, because all of a sudden she wasn't bringing in money, and she thought... Can I spend, you know, my husband's money, even though legitimately we've just made this arrangement that I'm going to be home and you're going to bring in the money because you can do this right now. So that's a whole nother discussion, but no, fascinating but I, but to me. But I think me. that is the – so you can have this discussion about, okay, we decide to stay home and it's not a luxury or whatever. She's very defensive in this article. But that is the position women find themselves in, and that is another reality, right, which is – now your kids are old enough that they don't need you so much anymore, right? Both your kids are in high school. Your kids go off to college. And that is sort of a, something that happens to women very, very often is, who am I? Now what do I do? Or I had a friend just the other day whose children are getting older, and one of her friends went crazy on her saying, you know, you you don't know what you're doing with yourself. You have no life. You have no job. You have no career. You're going to be, you know, this is ridiculous. You've wasted all your time. and. She had a total meltdown because she thought, what am I going to do? And I should be looking for something to do. And I see my friends who stayed at home are all now going back to work in some capacity. Going back to school also. Going back to school, going back to work, finding something they want to do. I mean, a lot of my friends in suburban New Jersey who stayed home and had nannies, um, you know, are now saying, "Okay, I want something to do. And even if they want to volunteer, okay, even if they want to go join an organization and volunteer, forget getting paid. They haven't kept up with technology. They don't know how to make an Outlook calendar entry. They barely can do their AOL email. And it's amazing. A lot of them are going to school and taking classes, learning, if I want to step foot in an office, how do I do this? And uh, so, you know, it's something that you have to be aware of. How do I silence my phone when I'm doing a podcast? (laughs) Sorry, that was Rebecca totally calling you out. Never not turns it off. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, so I think... You know, that's something that, aside from the defensiveness of whether or not you have to defend being home, and I defended it all the time. I was 100%. I was at home with my daughters, um, and, uh, you know, it was hard. It was not all great. It was not, it was definitely some rough days, and the biggest rough days were what am I doing? What am I doing for myself? Where am I going to be left at the end of this? Um, and how do I find my way back in, which is why I started blogging, actually, when when they were about five and they started kindergarten. I was like, oh, I think my brain is starting to work again. Um, but it was awful. I will say it. Like, it was awful. We'd go to parties and people were like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm at home with my girls. And you just see this look on their face like they had no interest in talking to you anymore. Huh. Judgy, judgy, judgy. Yeah. And men and women, yeah. not, you know. And it's just you start to feel defensive. Like, I get the article why she feels so defensive. It, but It really is one of those cases where you have to do what's best for your family. Like, mm-hmm. there's no one-size-fits-all answer. And I think I'm such a judgy person, but it's one of those things that I just – there's no sense in judging other people for it. You are not no. in their shoes. It's you are such not a in their personal family. thing. Right. Yeah. Well, usually people are judgy on either side. So you're either picking up something in them where then they feel bad that they went back to work or they were like, there, there's always someone coming at it from another side and everyone's working off their own guilt. Yeah. <laughs> so projecting onto the yeah. other person. Um, but anyway. Well, I would love know. to hear people's thoughts I know, on this. Me too. I would love to hear what you think. So come join us on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you have a dilemma to talk about. Yep. 
So let's talk very briefly about our digital dilemma, which is, um, Andrew, do you want to intro sort of why we're going to talk about this yeah. a little bit? <laughs> so there was a story, um, I think it's the BBC is buying and donating um, these small computers to a school system. Weird. Um, at first, I thought it was like the Raspberry Pi, but it's not. They're not like a circuit board. But they're almost. they're trying they're so to weird. do it in a way to teach kids coding. You know, we talk all the time about teaching kids about coding, teaching them, you know, STEM, whether they're boys or girls. Um, and this struck me because I thought, oh, how cool! People are donating money, and we hear it all the time: people donating money to put technology in schools. Great. But then Rebecca and I have had this conversation for years when I thought, when I told her, oh, look at all these iPads being donated. And Rebecca has said, that's great, but who's teaching it? Where are the people trained to teach it? And so that's where this this dilemma comes in. How can you just throw money, or you think you're throwing money at the problem and solving it, but there's so much more? Well, there's just, you are now going to give a million kids these tools to code and no one to teach them to code. Is there nothing coming with it? There's no Didn't education? Didn't look like it. The big announcement was spending a million dollars, yeah. getting a to, million kids. To put them in the hands of kids. And they're weird. And they're not even computers. They're like these weird yeah, things that hook things. into, that teach you how so to code. So my question is, do kids need to be taught? I mean, that's yes. my first question. Do they need to be taught or can they just look at it and go, this is cool. I'm going to figure out how to make no. a motorcycle. I think coding you need to be taught. And, uh, and coding's hard. And it is a skill, just like that's like saying they'll just figure out math. I mean, coding's hard. <laughs> or they'll call Amy. <laughs> yeah, it's not learning how to play an app. Um, you know, it's not giving a kid an iPad and saying, ooh, figure out how it works. It's figure out how to build your own app. I mean, coding is hard. Yeah. Um, and you need those building blocks. And the fact is, we don't have enough teachers to teach coding. So maybe the first step before we're worried about every all these kids having the skills to code, we need to be teaching the teachers <laughs> to code. Um, because what happens in most schools now with computer labs, and this we've seen over and over again, these schools get these technology grants, they build these big fancy computer rooms, mm -hmm. and they do PowerPoint. That's what they do. They make brochures. They make brochures. Right. They make brochures. Right. All my kids have done in technology is make right. brochures. Um, or the librarians teaching technology. She doesn't know anything about technology either. So there, yeah. So it's like you make brochures. You're learning right. how to research. You learn how on to do it. a spreadsheet. Yeah, it's like maybe, maybe. I, I would have been I, thrilled if my kids. Had I would have too. If my kids had yeah. done Excel, I would have been thrilled. Because no, my son learned brochures. that in school. He learned that, and then he became my chief Excel spreadsheet. You know, like I still call him and say, "How do I add up this column?" <laughs> still nope. to this day, my girls made brochures, <laughs> and um, so I think in some schools the computer room's locked because there's no one to teach it. So, you know, so what's the answer? I mean, I think it's great when organizations want to contribute money and, and put these things in kids' hands. So I don't know what the answer is. The answer is to recruit teachers. The answer is to go to all those polytechnic schools and all those schools and say, you're going to do 10 hours in a public school hmm. once, you know, for every month and you're going to get credit for it mm -hmm. and like start. Or forgive your loans or something. Yeah, forgive your loans. Like you need an army of teachers who know how to teach coding. Hmm. Um, I think, it, for it to be meaningful to kids. It can't be a one-off thing they do for whatever. I mean, that's why a lot of times it's done in after school because mm -hmm. those after school programs have the teachers. Yeah, they, they pay. Have, right. They pay them. And they have these people come in and teach coding. But you can't scale that. That's the problem. So I don't know. If I were these companies, if I were Intel and Microsoft, and Microsoft just donated a 
ton of stuff to the New York City public school system because I want all the kids using Microsoft because right. guess what? All the schools are using Google Docs. They're not using Microsoft anymore. So everyone's like, that's so awesome. And then I'm like, oh, that's like giant, <laughs> smart, life-saving strategy on their part. Right. Um, and then parents say, well, I want to buy a computer. Why don't I get exactly what my kid has at school so that they know what you know right. what to do at I home? I mean, schools who spend $5,000 on a smart board, mm-hmm. who some teachers got great training on them and do others amazing things. And others, it. it's a whiteboard. It's a $5,000 whiteboard. Wow. Wow. So what I would say is... If you are a parent and you're advocating for more technology in the schools, like, first of all, look beyond the bells and whistles when you're touring a school and looking at that stuff. But ask who is going to, before we spend $40,000 on iPads, when our kids don't have markers and crayons, who's going to teach, what's your plan to teach with those iPads? And a lot of the problem is that the tech companies and and the people who do these big donations, they want to give the tech. Maybe it's up to the school to say, okay, we will accept your $250,000 $250,000 worth of computer equipment if you also give us $50,000 worth right. of markers and paper for, towels. Right. Yeah. And or professional development. Or a grant for, for teachers. teachers. Right. So that happened in our or school. Or come train our teachers. Our school spent $40,000 on iPads and every teacher got two. Because that, that's useful. For every teacher to have two iPads in a class of 30 kids. <laughs> And guess in case what? You drop one. Then they came back to us, the Parents Association, and said, and now we need you guys to give us $10,000 so we can buy apps. So it's brilliant on Apple's part. They get all these teachers to buy into all these things they can mm-hmm. do with the iPad. They bring them in, and then they, they have no money to buy uh. the actual apps and all the stuff they need to use. They got no training. They get training that shows them all the things they could do if they had all these apps. And we said no. Said you didn't have a plan. Show us the plan. And why do you have two iPads in every classroom? Like, why didn't you just make a cart of 30 iPads yeah. that mm-hmm. travels from classroom? Like, whatever it is. It was just so not thought out. But everyone panicked and felt like they needed iPads in their schools. And it's a big old scam. Yeah, yep. and then <laughs> Apple scam. makes money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my. That's not a dilemma for me. I say, <laughs> get some markers and paper in your school. But every kid, they do need kids do need to be exposed to technology yes. in school, particularly in schools where they don't have it at home. It just has to be a really. There must be a. Better there has way. to be a plan for teaching it, for for enacting it, teaching it, yeah. and giving kids something that they'll benefit from. Yeah, and I think every parent should ask that question if there is a meeting before about bringing technology into schools, particularly if they want parents to help pay for it. It is how will it be used and what is Mm -hmm. the plan? And every government official should be asking that too. (laughs) You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. All right, so now we have our Bites of the Week. Who wants to go first? Uh, I can go first. All right, Amy's going Um, first. So last week I wasn't on the show because I was in D.C. with Kidda. It's Kidda. Is that how you say It's not Kitty. Although, I, no, there was actually a slide in their presentation on how to pronounce it. It's Where are they? What kind? What car is it? German? <sighs> I don't Dutch? know. I, I, I don't know. But it's K-I-D-D-E. It's K-I-D-D-E. Um, but, and it's named after the person who founded it. But I don't know. I'll find mm-hmm. out. Um, but so, but, but they, they acknowledge that most people call it Kitty, so it's okay. <laughs> um so I, I'm starting my second year working with them. They're a wonderful company. So let me just say, they pay me, all right? I'm about to give this recommendation. They pay me, but I like them because I liked their products before I ever had any relationship with them. Um, it was a really sad trip in a lot of ways because we visited a burn center. We learned a lot about the stats of how many people die. You should say what they make. 
Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I just assumed just, that everyone knows. They didn't just um, take you on a tour of awful no, things. A random no burn reason. center tour. No, I'm sorry. Thank you. Uh, can I make smoke alarms and carbon monoxide alarms and fire extinguishers and all sorts of, of fire safety equipment, escape ladders, things like that? Um, so it's a great company to work with. They do good things. And um, they... It, it, one one of the the stats I uh, just the overwhelming number of people who die in fires I think it's two thirds did not have a working smoke alarm in their house. Um, it, they didn't have one at all, or they had one and the battery was out. So many people, it starts beeping in the middle of the night, and they just take the battery. Out. Out. Yeah, exactly. Because I hit it with the broom. Up. Yeah, that's what everybody does. Or you rip it out of the wall and you throw it in the garage. Or if you're Phoebe on Friends, you throw it down the garbage chute. It still beeps and you can't kill it. And that is responsible for a lot of deaths. And Kida has this wonderful line of products called the Worry-Free Alarms. And they they have 10-year sealed lithium batteries. So no more changing the battery every six months, nothing like oh, that. That's you, cool. Yeah, you put the thing up on the ceiling and it stays there for ten years, and it won't beep unless something is wrong, or it's at the end of the ten years and it's time to throw it out and get a new one. Mm. Um, so I highly, highly recommend if you don't have working smoke detectors or they're older than seven years, and you're you're not because they don't last forever. The older ones last seven years, the newer ones usually last ten. Um, check them, and if you're at all in doubt. Get new ones, and I highly recommend the worry-free ones with the sealed-in battery because then you're not going to be taking it down and trying to get it to shut up because it's not going so to. So it do doesn't that go beat. off when you burn bacon. Well, if you burn bacon yeah. bad enough, it'll still go off. Although they do have a special kitchen one mm-hmm. that cuts down on false alarms from cooking and tries to detect an actual mm. fire. Oh, that's so good. that's really that's good, good timing. It's good yeah. timing because last week we sprung forward. Right. It was daylight saving time. You're supposed to check your batteries yeah. and your smoke detector. So it's actually really good timing for this. Yeah, and we actually went around. We, we, we did a lot of things with a fire department in Maryland, and we actually went door to door and asked people if they needed a new, uh, you know, if they had working smoke alarms. And uh, the first house we stopped in, she said, yeah, it's in the garage. It wouldn't <laughs> stop making noise. <laughs> I mean... There you go. That's it. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Not going to do a lot of good there. Nope. No. All right, Andrea, what's so your So speaking bite? of noise, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of noise, so the thing is, as we age, our ears get a little more sensitive. I know when I was at some uh, some of the parties at CES in January and the, the loud music, really loud music, and you just, you know, can't is it because you can't filter? What is it? Well, it's I, I don't know. I think it may be, or just maybe from listening to loud music for so many years. <laughs> I don't know. Um, a lot of times at the gym, in a gym class, there'll be music really, really loud. And it's a little too loud for me. Or spin class, really loud, but I still want to hear the instructor. And also, a lot of parents want their kids to be able to listen to music on their devices, but not have it pounding through and not be able to hear the outside. So um, I was sent this Dubs Acoustic Filters. They're little teeny tiny earbuds, and Amy will probably take a picture of them and put them up on our website. (laughs) But I have to say, I have tried them. Um, I was just testing them to see. Wearing them at the gym is really great because while other people may like that loud pounding music in a gym class, I don't love it anymore. And it takes away from the enjoyment for me. And it just 
dampens it down a little bit. It filters that sound, but I can still hear the instructor. And it also doesn't make the music. I thought it would make the music like, wah, wah, wah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like just Charlie Brown kind of music. But you can still hear the music the same. It doesn't change what you're listening to. So they're about That's $25 cool. on Amazon. Not that much money, and I think they're worth a try. Nice. For adults okay. and children. All right. Um, so... I will go. So my girls and I went to a prom girl fashion show last week. Um, And it was like every girl's fantasy party. They did your nails. They did your hair. They had Dylan's candy bar. Um, And then they had a fashion show of all these prom fashions and whatever. My daughters are years away from prom, but it was like a fun thing to do. And, you know, it turns out. So prom is a huge deal. Right. Prom for many girls. This is it. This is like the night they get to dress up like a princess and maybe they've got a good boyfriend they're going with or maybe not. Maybe it's drama, whatever it is. There is a great organization called Operation Prom that supplies prom dresses to girls in need. Girls who Uh, couldn't otherwise afford a dream prom dress with their belief that every girl deserves to be beautiful and have a beautiful dress on prom. And it's a really amazing organization, and they will take your gently used prom dresses, but they also work with tons of designers. They get tons of over just Bloomingdale's. Um, And so I would highly recommend (laughs) um, Operation Prom. The girl has to be recommended by, like, her guidance counselor and then goes through the process. But their goal is to be in all 50 states, and right now they're in a bunch. They're in, like, 10 or 12, I think. Um, and it's really great. I mean, it's a really great resource. And then my other resource for prom, because it's prom season, is Charlotte's Closet, which just launched. It is a rent the runway for tween and teen girls. Oh, that's nice. Yes. So for if you wanted a $350 prom dress and your parents are like, you're insane, <laughs> um, you can rent it for 50 bucks. Nice. And it's actually really nice because I know at the time you might feel like it's my prom dress. You but what do you do? You'll never wear it again. Wear it. It's like a wedding dress. Okay. And, and it I, will get thrown out when your parents yes. move. No, I, <laughs> like I still have my prom dresses from 1989 and 1990. You do? Sitting in a closet. I mean, do you Sitting wear them? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, I could fit it on yeah. one thigh right now. <laughs> I was going to say. See, I don't have mine. <laughs> I look at my wedding dress even. It's like, really? Which <laughs> side of my body fit into that? <laughs> so you should donate them, although they're so like 80s. Although oh, they're so 80s. So yes, I heard, but I they like might be Jessica. back in fashion again. But I know. I, I think the idea of McClintock. <laughs> I think the idea of donating a yes. gently used or once used prom dress is fantastic. It's fantastic. Yes. So, or a sweet sixteen dress, or a bat mitzvah dress, or whatever, yeah. or even bridesmaids. Um, those dresses are ridiculously expensive. They are. Um, there were some of these prom dresses. This fashion show were like nine hundred dollars. I can't remember the name. I'll find it and post it on our Facebook page. But I actually saw something on Good Morning America the other day with a rent the runway type thing for weddings. Oh, for, mostly for, for, the, a wedding for the bridesmaids dress. dress. I'm also yeah. obsessed with rent the runway. By the way, I, I think it's like the greatest thing ever. Because again, who needs <laughs> to spend five hundred dollars right. on a dress when you can rent it for fifty yeah. and you're never wear it again either? Um, so those are my two things. I would Operation Prom if you have gently used, or you just want to donate mm. to them because I think, I it's think great. that's great. And Charlotte's Closet if you have a tweener teen girl who's looking to look fabulous and you're like you're not spending the money. Do they, the way Rent the Runway will tell you, like, oh, there's other people going to this event and this is what they're wearing? I don't think they're that sophisticated okay. yet. Because that um, would be cool. And they definitely don't have a ton of stock yet. Like, they didn't have the big brands on yet, like the Sherry Hills and the Giovanni. Like, those brands that are, like, the big prom brands on yet. They had a bunch, and the stuff they had was definitely 
maybe regularly priced like 200 to 300 they didn't have the stuff that's priced like 500 to 800 mm-hmm. so it's not like rent the runway in that way but i'm hoping that as they grow charlotte's closet they start to get those bigger brands because unfortunately that would be cool I, these girls, because yeah. of the internet, they see these dresses, and then they yeah. see the celebrities wearing them, and they and it's so hard when you don't have the money, right, to, to buy do one. it. And it promgirl.com, I will also say, has a huge range of prices, which was really nice. You can put in your price range, and you can say like, I can't spend more than one hundred fifty dollars yep. or whatever it is, and you yeah, can put that. This in. is my budget. I think that's great. Yeah, good. Great. Well, thanks, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. Good Thank to you see you listening. all in person. Yep. So, so go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Parenting Bites, and you will find all the links with everything we talked about today. Amy does this bang-up job of putting everything in there every week. And I have to say that I had to listen to the ones that I'm not on to just to write them up, and I, I really enjoy listening when I'm not on. Oh, good. It's fun. <laughs> then she thinks, I would have said this. I was, I I was do. thinking. Oh, I do. I talk back Do you to talk back to us? I do, because you always hit topics that I wish I had been there to talk about. And oh. I get angry. We'll have to have an Amy recap. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and uh, we're also on Twitter at parenting underscore bites. But it's just we're just sitting on that till that person squatting on our name. <laughs> 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 but look for us on iTunes, Parenting Bites. Subscribe, please. Rate us, review us, and also on Play.it you can find us. So you can do Android for an Android user. That's the best place. Subscribe. We'll have the Android app ready for you. Till next week. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Have a good week. Bye.